You're listening to the Wordslinger Podcast, episode 128, The Multifaceted Life of Mary Robinette Kowal. This episode of the Wordslinger Podcast is brought to you by draft to digital Convert your manuscript, distribute it online, and get support the whole way at DraftToDigital.com. It's the Wordslinger Podcast, where story matters. Build your brand, write your book, redefine who you are. It's all about the story here. What's yours? Now, here's the guy who invented pants optional, Kevin Tomlinson, the word slinger. Word slinger. Hey, everybody. This is Kevin Tomlinson, the word slinger. And, uh, man, I'm, I'm talking to you on a, uh, a glorious fall day. <laughs> we've got, we've got uh, cool air here in Houston, man. Um, you know, we got uh, hurricanes happening uh, all along the East Coast now. Uh, so Harvey did its thing here in the Houston area. Uh, but if there's one good thing that, that I can say came out of it, uh, at least we got some cool air out of it. <laughs> so here we are. Um, man, I love the fall. This is I'm starting to get that fall feeling, you know. Uh, there's a little bit of this uh, fall energy in the air. Um, just my favorite season, really, you know. Pumpkin spice and all. If you gotta put pumpkin spice on everything for you to feel you know, the fall spirit, if if that exists, <laughs> there you go. Um, hey, happy anniversary! Now I know uh, the past couple of years I've done some quirky little anniversary thing, um, but not this time. Not this time. No silly songs. No um, no jingles. Happy anniversary, baby. Got you on my my Happy anniversary, baby. Got you on my mind. Now, how did that get in there? Okay, so happy anniversary, everybody. This is, uh, I believe, man, I always lose track. This is the third, wait, we started in 2013. Okay, 14, 15, 16, 17. Are you kidding me? Four years. <laughs> Why don't I have more episodes? Four years of Wordslinger podcasting. Uh, somehow we're only on episode 120. I guess that makes sense, actually. Um, I started late in, in uh, 2013, so I didn't have like 50 episodes. <laughs> so, happy anniversary, everybody. Um, man, Little River. <laughs> Little River Band. That's a callback. Um uh, Shout out, by the way, if you recognize that and uh, you know you know the band. So, uh, anyway, getting on, moving on. So I am um, well. I'm having a great time right now, um, but I'm gearing up for what I'm calling conference season, uh, part two, because you know we have our co- sort of author conference season that happens kind of in the uh, April May area. Uh, <clears throat> now I'm going to be moving on to uh, well. I had one conference rescheduled. I was going to be at uh, Indy Palooza at uh, Rice University here in Houston. Obviously, that had to be moved because uh, you know most of that's underwater, actually. So still, and what's not underwater is just sort of in repair. Um, so that's going to be moved. No real word yet on when, but I think it. I I think it's going to be October, late October. Um, but. I got another uh, conference coming up, which you may have heard about. <laughs> Not necessarily a conference. This is a convention. I, um, I'm going to uh, Salt Lake City Comic Con. And uh, and I, I don't know why I pronounced it that way. Comic Con. Um, <laughs> I'm going to be there. And actually, this is a special event. Um, I'm actually going to be meeting up with the folks who do the Writing Excuses podcast. Which is why I have this guest on my show today, one of the reasons I, I met her at SIFWA uh, at the Nebula Awards. Uh, we had kind of had some email con- contact uh, before that. Uh, but this is Mary Robinette Kowal. You're going to love this interview. Here's the thing about her uh, that I've discovered I, I could do a thousand podcasts with her as a guest because <laughs> she just. She's she she's multifaceted, just like the title implies. She uh, we go we range in this conversation from uh, we talk about audiobook production, uh, narration. She does some she gives some really interesting and great tips uh, for audiobook narration. If you're gonna 
try your hand at that. I am. So I really appreciated that. Uh, I love good advice, no matter where it comes from, actually. But um, I we also talked, man, we talked about typewriters. <laughs> so this is a great, I'm not going to spoil it all for you. Uh, you're going to have to listen to the interview, but you're going to enjoy it. So uh, I'm not going to keep you from that. I do want to say happy anniversary one more time, just because uh, you guys have made this an incredible journey for me. This has been a lot of fun, um, and we're, you know we're going through some changes. This is we're kind of I'm kind of on the last few audio only podcasts. Pretty soon I'm going to have the uh, the video podcast running. I've been every interview I've recorded over the past month or so has been um, both video and audio. So, who? There we go. We're gonna see uh, see some more wordslinger FaceTime. <laughs> so, hope that works out for you. Um, and I've got uh, well, I got some things brewing. You're gonna want to hang around after the interview to kind of get the update on what's happening in wordslinger world. Uh, get some news and announcements. So please do stick around. And for now, let's jump right in. I cannot wait for you to hear this fantastic interview with the multifaceted. Mary Robinette Kowal. Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in. Uh, now today, okay, so sometimes, every now and then, I get to talk to somebody that, uh, you know, I'm kind of a big fan of, and I and I listen to, uh, so this day, today, is somebody I met, I actually got to meet in person for the first time at the Nebula Awards, I'm talking to Mary Robinette Kowal, you probably know her from all kinds of things, uh, but the Writing Excuses podcast is one of the first places where I encountered her. Uh, she's also the author of Ghost Talkers. That's her most recent book. So I'm happy to have uh, Mary Robinette Kowal on the show. Hi, Mary, and thanks for being on. Hey, thanks for having me. You're it's welcome. Delightful to to be connecting again. Yeah, it was very it was great running into you. Uh, I, you know, here's what's funny. You and I were in email contact with each other briefly just before mm-hmm. that conference, but I never put put it together that you were you. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, that yeah, was, that was fun. <laughs> yeah, on the podcast, I only ever say my first name, which right. is it was actually a subject of some discussion because um, I come from the South and Robinette is my middle name. And so I was like, do I introduce myself as Mary Robinette or do I introduce myself as Mary? Yeah. And finally decided to just go with Mary since the guys were just using a single name and honestly most people do just call me mary yeah i bet yeah you know actually when you uh because i we have i have like this little scheduling software thing and you put your first name and i know why you did it but you put your first name as mary robinette and (laughs) i and i thought well does she am i like committing a a faux pas by saying just mary every now and then or you know should i i was going to just ask you about it and then forgot so um, I'm glad so, it worked out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh, I do it because because of being from the south. Um, my grandmother on on dad's side, uh, which is where I get the Robinette from, uh, called me Mary Robinette, and everyone on dad's side of the family calls me Mary Robinette. Um, and if, I find that if I don't, if I just do Mary and Kowal, um, that people will try to hyphenate Robinette with Kowal, which right drives me crazy you're right <laughs> yeah i could see that happening i was going to ask if it was an actual middle name or if it was like a maiden name no maiden name is harrison nothing terribly exciting no. but uh, named after my grandmother and my great-grandfather etc and so forth very cool all right well by the way I'm, I'm glancing over your website and i kind of dig that you have a sort of uh fact card about you <laughs> Uh, and one of the things that I liked was uh, over a dozen manual typewriters because I'm also a obsessive collector of manual typewriters. Really? How yeah. did we not have this discussion? I don't know. Now we're when well, next time we get together, we'll have to show off some of our finds. Actually, I've yeah. had to, I had to call it down quite a bit because we moved into an RV briefly. Um, oh, whoa! So yeah, harder <laughs> to carry around, heavy. Uh, yeah. I have a prized Underwood that I picked up at a flea market that has to weigh a thousand pounds uh oh, yeah. and I, I carried it in summer heat across this uh Oof. this uh very long flea market but that's my that's my prize i'm looking at it right now actually so. Oh, yeah so. yeah my uh my prize is a corona number three special actually no probably the prize of the collection is the blickendurfer which is a typewriter Ooh. from the uh 1890s um rotary head beautiful beautiful thing yes uh, 
That's very cool. But, so you, you're, yeah. you're, you are far, you've gotten further than me, honestly. I, I, I pick them up when I find them and I, I like the look, um, but I don't have anything like truly classic, you know? And this Underwood was like an old training typewriter from a classroom or something. Oh, cool. Does it, is it one of the ones that has the, the, the keys marked out, yeah. blacked out? Yes. Yeah. 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 You know, those are actually caps and you can pop them off and the, the original are letters really? are still in there. Yep. Oh, see, you just taught me something. All right. Well, that's it, everybody. Uh, that's all <laughs> I... <laughs> that, that's been typewriter talk. Um, so, okay. Yeah, now, you're in Chicago. You say you're from the South. Where Where in the South? Because I, of course, am in the South. I'm in Houston. You don't get much oh, further yeah. South. <laughs> no, you really don't. Uh, Chattanooga, Tennessee. Uh, oh, that's okay. family, although I actually grew up in Raleigh, North Carolina. But my parents have moved back to the house that my grandfather built. And so Chattanooga has always been the emotional home. I, I knew that that like that's where we all go back to. Right. Yeah. So you are from the South. Holy cow. Yeah. yeah all the, that's like all the major names of the South in one sentence, really. <laughs> well, and I, I spent uh, I trained when I was doing the puppetry. I trained at the Center for Puppetry Arts in Atlanta. So, you know, let's let's try to hit all of the major. Yeah, ones exactly. There. Right. Yeah. Get them all in there. Puppetry, by the way, was another thing I was going to call you out on uh, because it's just interesting because you don't often meet puppeteers, honestly. I I meet them on a fairly daily basis. I, well, yeah, I bet. Okay, yeah. <laughs> you, you you often meet puppeteers. I have met exactly one, I think, or possibly more. Maybe they're just sort of hiding out. Um, we are secretive. Yeah. <laughs> You're always in the background. You're always yeah. just below the surface. How did that come about, the puppeteer thing? Well, I was one of those kids who wanted to do everything, and... Um, had done puppetry as a hobby in, in high school and was doing it in college. And we were doing Little Shop of Horrors. And a professional puppeteer came to see the show. And I was the giant man-eating plant. And I was like, wait a second. People give you money to do this. <laughs> wow. And pretty much changed career choices on the spot. So I started interning with her, a puppeteer named Dee Braxton. I went on to Atlanta to do an internship there. And then I just kept getting work. So most of the stuff that I've done has been um, going into elementary schools uh, and film and television. Occasionally, I get to do work for adults, um, which is always great because uh, you get to handle different subject matter. Right. Uh, and, and as much as anything, it's the novelty just because it, I, I don't get to do that very often at all. That That's interesting. So do you like write your own little screenplays for this or something or how's that work? I, um, I had a creative partner, uh, Jody Eichelberg, and we had our own company, Other Hand Productions. So we would joke that Jody handled the visual. The um, excuse me, Jody handled the audio, and I handled the visual. Okay. So he was uh, he was a classically trained voice major. Um, so he would write and compose the the shows, and I would design and build. And the thing that I discovered when I moved out of puppetry into to writing was that. Designing a show uses exactly the same part of my brain as writing. It's exactly the same, same kind of world building, problem yeah. solving, and uh, and so I, I think that explains. Like once I realized that, I'm like, oh, that's why I never had the urge to write a show because yeah. I was getting my creative junkies other places. Right, right, yeah. It, you know, it's funny. Uh, a lot of a lot of writers that I uh, talk to, and I talk to a lot, um, have similar stories not puppeteer stories yet uh although now i think there's probably going to be an explosion of author puppeteers uh after this episode but the uh the whole you know uh, multiple creative outlets we'll say mm -hmm. uh, and into everything like they just want to learn everything they want to be everything <laughs> i have this yeah. problem too by the way like i've gone through my i want to be an archaeologist phase and i've gone really? you know oh heck yeah man i i, I in fact i have I have like four books on archaeology and anthropology sitting like within arm's reach right now. So. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's just a uh, hazard of being an author. What do you think yeah. of the concept? You know? <laughs> no, I, I completely agree. I was just saying to someone recently that, that I feel like um, being, being an author is a way to make your natural curiosity socially acceptable. Right. Cause I just want to know why and how and, and what is that thing all the time. Right. Right. This is why, by the way, and I just 
I was just talking about this <laughs> in another episode, but this is why whenever uh, I've had to hire people, I, I usually start by looking at writers to see if there's huh. a writer out there who's interested in doing the kind of work I'm hiring for. Because writers typically get into everything. They're good researchers. They're good at articulating ideas. So yeah, I may be biased. No, <laughs> no, no I, I think I think you're right. I think um, I think some other groups can can go down that path as well. Like my dad's an engineer. Yeah, uh, he's not even remotely a writer, but oh my goodness, he is so good at problem solving. Yeah, and figuring out how I think. I think it's basic for me. The thing I'm looking for are tinkerers, yeah. um, and whether you're tinkering with words or mechanical things, I don't care as long as you want to know how things come apart and go back together again. Exactly. You and I will be on the same page. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. And you're, I guess, the puppeting thing. How? What's the right way? Puppeteering. Let's just. I'll just ask the expert. So that's <laughs> that's tinkering in itself too, because I mean, you're, you're building sets and puppets and that sort of thing, right? Yeah. That's yeah. Although cool. they're there are a number of puppeteers who are only performers. They don't build. They don't have any desire right. to build. Um, and likewise, there are builders who have no desire to perform at all. But most of the time in the United States, in order to make a living at it, you have to do both. Yeah. I'm, I'm fascinated by that. We could do it in a whole episode on that. But I, there's so much more. You're one of these multifaceted people that I have to uh, caution myself not to not to go <laughs> off on one road. <laughs> so. No. Because you do I, happily, I will happily tangent on anything. <laughs> Another writer trait. Um, <laughs> and you do narration as well. Correct. Yeah, you've yes. done some. You've done narration for some big names, actually. So, like uh, Neil Stevenson, John Scalzi. Yeah, um, yeah. I've been really lucky. I mean, I've, I've also done plenty of narration for writers that you've never heard of. I I don't get to pick the books. Yeah. Um, they they hand the books to me, and, and I'm always so happy when it's a good writer, especially when it's a writer whose work I'm already familiar with. Right. Because like, I would read this book. I mean, this this is a book that's on my to-be-read list, and you're, yeah. you just you just want to pay me. Fine, I will take your money. <laughs> What's the trick there? Okay, I'm asking this for, for some specific reasons, but, mm-hmm. you know, draft the digital and find a way, just partnered up on uh, find a way voices. Uh, oh, yeah. which you know I may that. have heard about which is very cool and I, I'm, yeah. I'm very excited about it uh, one of the things that I've considered for a long time is narrating my own books but I, I where I get held up like I've attempted it a couple of times and I'm just I think I'm missing out on the sort of the performance side of it so like what's the trick there <laughs> alright so there's a couple of things you should know one is that um, audiobook narrators Never read the entire book through without stumbling. Like we we okay. we make mistakes, and we have to be word perfect. So you can figure on making multiple mistakes per page. Okay. Uh, so so as soon as you know that, you can just let go of it. It's like you you know that's a lot of times people will make mistakes and get hung up on it, and it makes the performance worse. Right. So all of the ums and the well, actually, you don't say um because you are reading off a text. And, but yeah, all unless of, someone wrote um. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, uh, <laughs> but the but all of the stumbles, the mispronunciations, all of that you you just fix, and right. they can go back and edit it. And so those are no big deal. In terms of the actual narration itself, people will get hung up on uh, the words. And you do have to be word perfect. Your pronunciation has to be spot on. But ultimately what you have to remember is that you are telling a story. Humans developed the written word as a way to record the spoken word. Right. So what will happen is that people will get hung up on, as I said, the words rather than the meaning. Like you, you know how to tell a compelling story. You, you all do that all the time on your podcast when you're just talking to people. You know how to use the rise and the fall, the slowing down, the speeding up, all of these technical things. You know how to do that. It's just when you're looking at the words and you think about, I have to say this word and then this word and then that word, that's when you strip the performance out of it. Okay. Okay. So the first thing is just to remember that you're telling a story. There's a whole bunch of uh, other little tricks I can give you. Like um, a really, really simple one is to, uh, and this is very mechanical. It's something that's uh, that's just 
uh, useful for um, as an exercise. When you hit a comma, count to one. When you hit a period, count to two. When you hit a paragraph break, count to three. I am going to grab a book that is close to me so I can show you what this sounds like. Um, I'm I'm reading uh, Michelle Baker's Phantom Pains right now, which is an outstanding book, by the way. Okay. Um, uh, Let's see. Let me actually... Um, So what I'll do is I'll just read a a couple of sentences without uh, without doing any real pauses. It'll it'll still be it's not I'm not gonna like deliberately drone. Yeah. But um okay. Here's the thing about PTSD, it doesn't understand the rules. When I was seven, for example, I stepped in a nest of fire ants and ran screaming for two blocks. So crazed with pain and panic I didn't notice I'd run over a broken bottle until I saw the smears of red on my front steps. And I still spent every summer barefoot after that, at least until I got drunk at 25 and lost both feet in a seven-story fall. That's the first paragraph, by the way. Okay. So, so that's, now I must that's, read this book, by the way. It, she's fantastic. <laughs> this is book two. The book one, uh, Borderline, is amazing. It's one of the best books I read last year. Um, so here, here is with the punctuation that Michelle put in. Here's the thing about PTSD. It doesn't understand the rules. For When I was seven, for example, I stepped in a nest of fire ants and ran screaming for two blocks. So crazed with pain and panic, I didn't notice I'd run over a broken bottle until I saw the smears of red on my front steps. And I still spent every summer barefoot after that, at least until I got drunk at 25 and lost both feet in a seven-story fall. So even with just that really mechanical thing that I'm doing, you can hear how the text already starts to open up. Yeah. And then the next thing that you do is you go through, and and again, once you've been doing this, these are all exercises kind of when you're learning and stepping into it. But the other thing that you do is that you look and each sentence is going to have a most important phrase. And each phrase is going to have a most important rule. Uh, excuse me, I was looking at the page. A most important word. Okay. So, um, so let's take the uh, the thing that the first sentence. Here's the thing about PTSD: colon, it doesn't understand the rules. Period. Now, what do you think is the most important part of that? What phrase? Here's the thing about PTSD, or it doesn't understand the rules. Uh, my instinct is telling me it doesn't understand the rules. Right. That's what I would go with, too, because it's the second half of the sentence yeah. and we get the more important things. So if I emphasize that, then we get, here's the thing about PTSD. It doesn't understand the rules. Yeah. And all I'm doing there is I'm just slowing down a little bit. I'm emphasizing it. You know, and that's, it's, so that's the, the kind of thing that you do. But really what I'm thinking about there is what does this mean? Like I can, um, I can also, and this is here's taking the, uh, that same sentence, and I'll give you three different reads, each meaning a different, each with a, a different emotional state. Here's the thing about PTSD: it doesn't understand the rules. Here's the thing about PTSD: <laughs> it doesn't understand the rules. Here's the thing about PTSD: it doesn't understand the. Oof rules so you see that's why i'm like you have to know what the words mean because you can just straight up lie to your reader by giving the wrong interpretation right yes but really it just comes like i'm not sitting there thinking about these like all right now you need to pause here with the "Mm." i'm thinking about the emotional state and then remembering that i'm telling a story that's yeah that's awesome. I okay. So, <laughs> this was not intended to be a lesson in uh, audiobook reading. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. But, no, 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 no. Th- that's incredible because it, the thing is, I've actually talked to quite a few narrators uh, on this show, and none of them have given a- actionable advice uh, on how to do that. So that's pretty incredible. So, do you, uh, where have you picked that up? You have a theater background. I have a theater background, but specifically, uh, I learned that from being on the forensics team, uh, speech, debate, and interpretive reading, okay. not dead bodies, uh, when I was in <laughs> high school and college. And in college, I competed in uh, interpretive reading. Um, yeah. 
which is exactly this, uh, narrative interp, uh, dramatic interp. So narrative interp is where you're reading a book. Dramatic interp is you're reading from a play. Yeah. Poetic interp, exactly what it sounds like. Uh, so they actually, the, the forensics, um, society, uh, the national forensics league, funny, um, <laughs> Uh, actually has wonderful resources on their websites <clears throat> that are geared for high school and college students about how to do this. And yeah. there, it's that's that is specifically where I picked up the one, the two, and the three for the pauses. Oh, okay. I, I, like I, I wouldn't do that all the time. Um, right. It, as I said, it's just a great training thing to remind yourself that those pieces of punctuation exist for a reason. Right, because that is one of the one of the things I, I noticed when I attempted this was that I, I tended to rush through, uh, like there was no there was no like metering what I was doing. <laughs> so yeah. and then I was trying to kind of figure out like what would be the trick for that. So that's that's perfect actually. I might be a little too self conscious uh, in the first few runs, but I bet if I practiced that, yeah, that, that would be good. Yeah, what I recommend when people are interested in in doing this. Uh, is that you grab um, like three pages of text because honestly that's enough to get fatigued, um, right. and you go through and you you hypermark it like uh, so if I were you know like um, like putting an actual slash in next to the period to remind yourself no really take a breath here um, doing a squiggly underline under one of the pieces of text that you want to put emphasis under. Right. Um, doing a, a, a line, a, a rising line, like a you know crescendo and decrescendo de from from music, putting those in where you want to do that. Um, so it's it's useful sometimes to go through and, and overmark it, just to sort of see how granular you can get with the choices that you're making, yeah. and. And doing that through an entire book, first of all, you don't have time. Second of all, it's going to lead to a, kind of an overperformance. Uh, we don't actually emphasize everything. Right. Most of the time, there's there, that's why I said there's usually there's one important phrase. Um, but but sometimes it's useful to just start thinking about what does this mean? Why did, why is this word here? Yeah. So what about uh, what about character voices or or just differentiating characters sure I've, I've heard plenty of narrators who do voices uh, not necessarily you know impersonations but you know they'll create a, a unique voice for each character which seems to me like that would be very cumbersome <laughs> to keep track of <laughs> yeah there's there's some tricks for it one of them is to remember that if you need to pause longer to get your head around the character voice you can just go back and cut that out later Okay. So, you know, t take the pause. Um, but with character voices, there are five things that create a character voice. Uh, and this this I picked up in college uh, when I took a course on radio acting. Uh, but there are five basic things. Pitch, placement, pacing, accent, attitude. Okay. Okay. So pitch is basically how high or low a voice is. So, so right now we're in my normal speaking range. And if I just drop my voice down here, I haven't done anything else to my voice. All I have done at this point is just pitched it down. If I just raise it up a little bit, and I have just, and I again, I'm not changing anything else. I've just pitched it up a little bit. It again changes the sound. And if I come back to my normal voice, and I'm not going very far. I'm going like one or two steps up or down the, yeah. the scale. Yeah, it makes a big difference. Yeah, makes a huge difference. Yeah. So one of the things that happens, one. Uh, you, Pitch is useful, but you don't want to rely on it solely because as we are naturally speaking, our voices go up and down. Yeah. So as soon as you you pitch a character down, that means that you have cut out the upper end of your range for that character. Okay. Because, because if you go up too high, then you begin to sound like someone else. Right. So, so pitch is, but pitch is very useful. Uh, then, uh, Placement, uh, placement and pitch are related to each other. Placement is where your voice resonates. So as an American, my voice resonates in kind of the middle of my mouth. It's a mid-palate voice. Mm -hmm. If I were to sh shift my voice to the front of my mouth, 
um, this begins to sound much more British. I am trying very hard, and it is hard, and it is quite difficult to not change my pronunciation, but I think that you hear that I do know uh, it's really hard to do that without going British, a full yes. British. Um, <laughs> but but I think that you you see here here's a here's a good example. Uh, so so let me take let me take a, a southern accent because a southern accent and a British accent are surprisingly similar. A genteel, let's say a a, a genteel South Carolina accent, say mm-hmm. Charleston. So Charleston and uh, and Britain have a great deal in common in terms of their their rhythm and their inflections, but but the difference between the two is that placement. So so right now I still am in the middle of my mouth, but if I move to the front of my mouth and I say I am from Charleston, I am from Charleston, I am from Charleston. You can hear that the pronunciation is actually the same, mm-hmm. that soft R. All I'm doing is switching back and forth in placement. That's an incredible amount of control that I do not currently possess, but I uh, <laughs> I do appreciate it. So here's an exercise. <laughs> um, actually, sure, I'll my, take an exercise. Yeah, I'm not going to website. do it on air, though. Just no, no, warn no. you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, actually, on my website, I have like... I have a whole thing on how to read aloud, a whole uh, little series on how to do that, um, like 13 or 14 web uh, posts about it. But um, you, you actually know how to move your your um, your voice back and forward. It's something that we do. Mm-hmm. Um, so like if you want to access the back of your throat. Um, so if I want to go to the back of my throat, uh, basically what I am doing is I am speaking with a yawn. Okay. Um, and if I want to be up at the front of my mouth, uh, if you, if you purse your lips, it kind of automatically moves your voice up to the front. Um, and so there's like, there's this whole thing, ga, 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 pa, 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 ba, 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 which each, each of those letters happens in a different place in the palate. And so you can use that to kind of get a sense of where the placement is and move it back and forth. Um, yeah. So, uh, so we could go on about placement for days. <laughs> I'm sure uh, it sounds like it. And it's, it's yeah. actually kind of fascinating to me because the, I had done a bit of research and I knew a little bit about, you know, the, where on the palate different, uh, accents sort of fall. Uh, but that's very, it's very elaborate. Like I, I don't think I, I quite realize that. <laughs> yeah. So. so here, here's one that's very easy to do and that's the nasal you know, you know what it sounds like when you have a really bad cold. Right, right. Okay, that's a nasal voice. Everybody can do this, um, but that's a resonator. That's one of the resonators that we have. So anyway, yeah. so pitch where the where the voice is is resonating. You know, again, I'm not doing anything to change my voice right now. I have not pitched up or down. All I'm doing is I'm shoving it through my nose. Right, and and it sounds completely different. So pitch placement pacing which is how quickly or slowly you speak and the rhythms that you use so i can speak very slowly and languidly and that's going to sound like a different character than if i were speaking haltingly and with strange pauses in my sentences but then speeding up (laughs) you'd be going boldly where no one had gone before (laughs) yes i would (laughs) But, but those are you know those just those tiny things. And then when you start combining them all, it, that can really start to be a totally different character. Um, accent uh, is exactly what it sounds like, but people tend to focus on the pronunciation. And as much as anything, it also has to do with the rhythms that you're using. Yeah. Um, as well as when you're writing, as well as uh, word choice. Hopefully, the when you're doing audiobooks, the author has already chosen appropriate words and sentence structures. <laughs> hopefully, uh, not always the case. I've I've noticed, but uh, and hopefully we do uh, if we're going to yeah. read our own stuff. But do do you read your own stuff? I do. Um, I do for my for my novels. Uh, so far, I have been the appropriate voice for all of the novels, right. with the exception of of Noble Family, which was the fifth book in my series, and um, it's set in Antigua, and the vast majority of the characters are Black Antiguans, and it's um, I, you would never have cast me for this book. 
<laughs> and but it was the fifth book in the series, so you didn't. You also did not want to with the same main character as well. So you right. didn't want to suddenly switch narrators. So uh, what Audible did, and I love them for it, is they let me bring in two additional narrators. Oh, that's um, awesome. Yeah, it was really great. So I had Prentice Onayemi and Robin Miles narrating with me, and we treated it like a full cast production. So we split all of the dialogue up between us, um, and it was it was it's it's great. Um, it's not something we normally get to do, and right. only got to do it because because of where we were in the series. So how how and, much more? I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no. Go on. I was going to ask how much more difficult uh, that that made things like. So, so from my end, not that much more difficult because it just meant that I was skipping the occasional line and would kind of have to think about, um, you know, the the way they are likely to be reading it. Right. It, for the we, I talked to both of them, so we we were all on the same page about who the characters were and things like that. From a production standpoint, it made it significantly harder because we were importing a different place with a different set of microphones, different room tone, and they had to edit all of that together and then balance it so that it sounded like a seamless performance. So it is not something you do very often. Yeah, I'm trying uh, to. I've done some audio work and I'm trying to figure out how I would match room tone uh, across three different recordings (laughs) and not be obvious about it. Yeah, I mean, it it helps that we were all in uh, audio recording booths, which tend to be fairly neutral in terms of tone, but obviously are not 100% neutral. Now, the the engineer on that, um, or engineers probably, uh, were fantastic. Yeah, that's why no one thinks the engineers. No. No one one even thinks about them, unfortunately. (laughs) To all the engineers out there, we say thank you. Yeah. so okay, I want to talk about uh, Ghost Talkers because that's your yes. latest book. Um, so what's the uh, what's the rundown? I have not looked at this book yet. I, I'm sorry, but uh, oh, I, okay. I will. But uh, <laughs> yeah. So what's the what's the give me the rundown? What's the premise first? Okay, so it is uh, during the the First World War. Uh, so it's basically a murder mystery spy novel with ghosts. Okay. The British Intelligence Department has set up a group called the Spirit Corps, which is a group of mediums, and they have trained all of their soldiers to report in when they die, so they're getting instant troop updates, and then they realize that there's a traitor, and uh, and so and then we go straight into murder mystery, yeah. spy novel with ghosts, and and World War One. Uh, I'm I just hit purchase book on this. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> so awesome. that's uh that's pretty cool because at first i thought well just based on the title i thought it was going to be something tied to uh wasn't there a, a ghost talkers wasn't no it wasn't ghost talkers, ghost talkers. Like, yes so i thought it might be in that direction so this is pretty sweet uh so what what was the uh, you're a clearly a fan of history a uh, student of history <laughs> so that had to have played some role but what was the initial spark that that put you on the road to writing this so this is a funny one. This is one of only two stories that I've written that came out of a dream. Oh, okay. um, and the dream was not about World War One. It was uh, all I really retain from the dream is an image of a glamorous 1920s woman uh, and a man in evening coat, and uh, and that they were solving mysteries by talking directly to the ghosts. Okay. And that's that's all I've got. And so I, I was like, that's really cool. And so I wrote a short story, um, which is called uh, Ginger Stuyvesant and the Case of the Haunted Nursery. Of course it is. Yeah. <laughs> this was the Ghost Talkers was backstory. That's, you know, it was just it was just part of her backstory. It was part of her history. It was not something that I um you know, I, I did not go into it planning to write it. And I wrote, uh, I've written two Ginger Stuyvesant short stories, both of which take place in the 20s. And, and I kept thinking about this backstory. I'm like, that backstory is really interesting. 
Yeah. I really, I, I want to, uh, and but World War One, it's bigger than a short story. I wanna, and then you know, you you kind of nod at, at a thing, which is what those noises were. And so I just, <laughs> so then I was like, I I want to write this, and uh, and and fleshed it out, um, and pitched it to my uh, my editor, and she she said yes. Yeah. And. And behold, I have a novel. Yeah, I keep forgetting. Sometimes I forget that, like, you and I have different um, writing. Very different. Yeah, what's that now? Very different in, in that in, in yeah. that end of the... Yeah, in the conception to publication uh, process. <laughs> I always yeah. forget about editors and that sort of thing. Uh, so, and agents. Uh, so not editors. I forget about agents. But, uh, yeah. So, that's... Uh, something that a lot of my audience would probably be interested in hearing about is that sort of the process there because most of the people listening are um, indie authors. So yeah, if you wouldn't um, mind, I mean, I know oh, we absolutely. hear this sort of thing a lot, but it'd be great to hear like your process from conception to publication. Sure. So what happens is I, I tend to do something uh, that, that I call a thumbnail sketch, which is leftover from my art major days, yeah. which is, it's like a one paragraph, you know, synopsis it's a it's the it's not a it's not a blurb because it's right. not really intended for anyone except me and editor or agent but it kind of shows what the the general shape of the thing is that i'm thinking about um and then uh then what i do is i usually send over a bunch of them okay and these are all things that i'm interested in writing i'm like which one do you want to see because one of the, like, I mean, you know how it is when people say, where do you get your ideas? It's like, actually, yeah. the question is, how do I narrow down my ideas? <laughs> how do I make the ideas stop? Right. <laughs> and allow me to sleep for one night. <laughs> so um, so I, uh, I use my agent and my editor as a way of kind of helping me prioritize. Mm -hmm. And once they say, okay, I think this one, then what I do is go through and make a um, make a longer uh, synopsis that they can then take into the sales to actually see if they can uh, they can acquire it um, okay. I was just looking to see if I had um, if I had the uh, the thumbnail for no um, I do not have the. I was looking to see if I have the thumbnail. Uh, do you want to hear the th one of the thumbnails that I just turned in? Yes, absolutely. I, if, if it doesn't like violate some sort no, of no, contract, no, uh -uh. sure, yeah. Um, so I just I just sent my uh, my editor a bunch of them, um, and and these are two. Um, actually, these are the two I'm most excited about. Okay. Um, uh, the first one is called the Wrong Dragon. Alfred Hitchcock presents the Dragon Riders of Pern. So I, I try to I try to already have an elevator pitch for it. Yes. Uh, in a seaside resort town in a secondary world version of New England, Nelanie is a waitress in the local diner, but she harbors a secret. Four years ago, she had been the belle of the town until she left for boarding school. Her father used to be the master of the local dragon colony until his dragon killed him. She is convinced someone else murdered him, so disguises herself as a mousy waitress and takes a position as a maid at the colony in order to track down his killer. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> All right. A um, little, little bit of murder mystery thrown in the mix. Yes. Um, I actually seem to be in a murder mystery mood right now. <laughs> uh, this is the second one is the one that I'm really hoping she'll go for, um, although I'm not happy with the title. Um, current The 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 title that I have right now is "Have Spacesuit Will Murder." Um, <laughs> uh, well, if you don't use the title, I officially ask permission to use it. Yeah, something. yeah, no problem. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, and the elevator pitch for that is "The Thin Man in Space." Okay. So retired private detective Sam and his socialite wife Tesla have set out on an interplanetary cruise ship for their honeymoon. All is going well until one of the guests disappears and Sam finds himself accused of murder. Tesla has to solve the murder using their mindcom link to consult with Sam before the real killer murders again. I like it. There's a little bit of uh, murder on the Orient Express in there, so yeah, yeah, yeah a little yeah. bit. <laughs> so, um, so that's that's the kind of thing that I'll, I'll send over. Um, I, like I also have, uh, I I also pitched two uh, two Ghost Talkers sequels as well. Um, 
and you know so so she's got a bunch of stuff yeah um and what she's going to look at is which one which ones she is excited about because in an ideal world and you and your editor should both be excited about producing the same work yeah and and i think this is true whether you're doing indie publishing or whether you're working with a a traditional publisher like i will see people sell their book to someone who is not interested in their book they yeah. they and i'm like don't do that don't you know i know you want the sale but if you're not both on the same page it's just going to lead to heartache right so um so i i make sure that we both want to we want me to be writing a book that we're both interested in um and then i come up with with a synopsis uh, and then from the synopsis, I go to an outline. Um, and I, I do tend to be a, uh, more on the planning end of the spectrum versus the discovery end. Uh, but occasionally, uh, and this is the nice thing about having worked with the same editor now over uh, the course of six books, um, we're on seven and eight right now, is that I can turn in an outline where there's a chapter that just says, uh, something traumatic happens here that refers <laughs> back to an earlier event. I don't know what either thing is yet, but I know it needs to happen here for balance. Right. Um, like uh, in, in one of my books, she got a, a chapter and the entirety of it said, sailing, exclamation point. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> TBD. I need, <laughs> I need to get to, from point A to point B. It's going to be on a ship. Uh, All right. Something exciting is going to happen. Whee! Um, I'm a fan already. I'm a fan. <laughs> yeah. uh, but it's nice because she knows, and she knows the kind of writing that I do. Um, she can trust me to fill that blank in, and she, she knows what my placeholders usually mean and how right. they, they kind of tend to unpack. Right. And then she will she will flag things like, um, you know, you've got them sailing. That's great. But the place that they are winding up is another 150 miles inland. How do they get there? Yeah. Like, oh, you, yeah. That, hmm, okay. So the next chapter is wagoneering. Right. <laughs> exactly. Um, that is actually pretty much what happened. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it was carriaging, but and then yes. banditing, but excellent. Um, but that's that's what I. I mean, that's basically the process. the The thing that differs substantially, I think, for me, um, ver, you know, when I'm doing this versus the the very few times I have not done a lot of indie publishing, but yeah. but when I have, it's like I have an idea, I write the thing, and then I figure out what to do with it. Right. right. And. Um, That's pretty standard, though. I mean, I, you know, yeah. as an indie published author myself, I mean, I do that. You know, I oh. have a whole. Uh, I use a an app called um, Day One, which is a journaling app, and I have a whole journal that is nothing but uh, uh, titles. Because oh, yeah. <laughs> I start yeah. with, for one for whatever reason, I start with titles. I, I don't know why, uh, and I don't even know if that's unusual or not. I just I start with the title and write the book to the title. Yeah, I find that I can either title it during the thumbnail phase yeah. or not at all. Right. Um, like the books that I have coming out next year are pre uh, prequels to my Lady Astronaut of Mars novel, or novelette, excuse me, um, novella. I can't remember what I wrote. Yeah. It's, 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 <laughs> the, the line it's, is very blurry between novelette and novella. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so they're prequels to that. Um and I made the mistake of calling the first one uh, Lady A and the second one Lady B, which was a serious mistake because then when I got to the end, I'm like, I don't know. Um, and wound up coming up with a list of like 20 or 30 titles and then sending it over to – I think I managed to narrow it down and then I sent um, – 10 titles over two two uh two paired sets of five yeah. sent them over and was just like take it to sales and marketing that is their job i do not i have no <laughs> let All me right. know what the title of the book is <laughs> hey i'm pretty good at titles next time you need a hand let me know i, I come, will yeah although i get i take a lot of a lot of flack for uh the quailo medallion and i know why but it 
I I like it as a title, and I it's even though it's difficult for people to spell or pronounce, yeah. uh, I it's very memorable. People always tell yeah. me they mispronounce it every time, but I mean, people come to me. I really loved you know Coelho or whatever or <laughs> any variation. Audiobook would solve this problem. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly right, uh, and the audiobook does well. Uh, in fact, I've, I've literally had people write me to say, is that really how you pronounce Quelo? <laughs> so yeah. I guess that worked out. Um, well, then, okay, we're we're kind of coming up on time, and I don't want to soak up any more of yours. Uh, but, you're, you know, you're one of the, again, I come across people like you from time to time where I could probably do five shows uh, based on the various, like, facets of your career. Um, you're a fascinating can I come person. Back? Just so we can talk about typewriters. Let's do it. We'll do the, an entire <laughs> typewriter episode. <laughs> I, you know, I, I could. Re- I rescued I could. a uh, a uh, portable brother typewriter from like the early seventies that has oh, just yeah. the right look for me to slap an Apple sticker on it and take it to Starbucks. Like I, <laughs> I'm this close. <laughs> So yes, and I want I de- I just so desperately want someone to come up and ask me about it so that I could say it's the latest you know Apple yeah. device you know the iWriter or something. So <laughs> anyway, um, but okay, so uh, people can find you. Why don't you give me just sort of the rundown of where people can find you and your work online? Sure. Uh, the the central hub is MaryRobinetteKowal Speaking of things that are hard to spell. Um, it's going to be in the show notes, everybody. <laughs> Don't worry. Um, although, honestly, if you manage to get through my first and middle name, I will probably pop up. Yeah. Um, and then on Twitter, I'm at Mary Robinette. On Patreon, I'm patreon.com slash Mary Robinette. Um, uh, so, you know, the usual standard places. Yeah. yeah. All this and more coming to a show notes near you. So, <laughs> uh, oh, and, uh, also I should do a plug just for the readers or your listeners who have not, uh, for writing excuses. Yes. Writing excuses.com. We do a podcast about craft. Um, we are very indie friendly. Uh, although I think we are all, uh, three of, three of the four of us are traditionally published. The, um, the, Fourth is indie, and uh, and then the rest of us dabble. Um, so I guess we're all hybrid. Yeah, which that is, would be- I, I honestly I feel is the the next evolution of of publishing. I think hybrid is it. You know, here's the thing I always like to remind people: Jane Austen self published Pride and Prejudice. That's right. That's right. She put it on the the original Kindle, though. So that's correct. That's correct. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that actually there was a whole I had a whole list at one point of of self-published authors who uh are now considered classics or e- even some more current ones uh within the past like 2 or 3 decades so that people can't yeah. accuse me of, you know, well they had means and wealth and that sort of thing. So, yeah. I fight this uh, okay. fight. <laughs> yeah, I will, I will join you on that. Of course, I will also remind people that Pride and Prejudice was not her first novel. Right. Right. <laughs> Nor was it the first draft of her first novel. Right. And did not contain zombies uh, until yeah, much there later. There were no zombies. Yes. <laughs> All right. Actually, the very first. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now I want to know what the first no- uh, zombie novel was. Now I have to go research that. Oh, yeah. That is a good question. Ooh, finding these Let's beasts in history. <laughs> yes. Thank you, Google, for making my life possible. Uh <laughs> All right. Well, you hang out. Uh, every, everyone else, uh, if you want to find more, if you're having trouble uh, remembering how to pronounce or spell names, uh, no problem. Go to the show notes. I'm going to have links to everything, including links to where I'll probably have an actual preview and everything of uh, where you can pick up Ghost Talkers, which I'm looking forward to reading. Uh, even though for some reason the Kindle version is like twice the price of the hardcover version, uh, according to Amazon. Whatever. <laughs> that's a whole other uh conversation to have uh but thanks so much for listening everybody stay tuned you're probably hearing the groovy music at this point and i'll do the wrap up at the end of the show mary thanks so much for being on thanks for having me it was a delight all right everybody see you after the break all right that was my uh really fantastic interview with Mary Robinette Kowal. Mary, as she uh, is known on the show, <laughs> on Writing Excuses podcast. Um, 
So I am. Uh, I'm really excited about being on uh, the the podcast itself in uh, in just a couple of weeks, really. So if you're going to be in uh, Salt Lake City, if you're going to be at the the convention in particular, uh, be sure to track me down. You can probably ping me on uh, Twitter or Facebook. It's probably the easiest way to kind of get my attention because uh, I'm obsessive. I will check. <laughs> I'll be checking my phone the whole time. You may have noticed, by the way, at the beginning when I did the intro for for Mary uh, in the in her actual interview, I kind of went all awkward and weird there for a second. Um, and mostly because normally I just roll these things off, and for some reason, I I, I don't know why I became kind of self conscious of it uh, as I was uh, introducing her. Not normal for me. You know this <laughs> if you. If you've listened for a while, becoming self-conscious uh, is not quite my bag. So um, anyway, that's neither here nor there. So um, thanks for sticking around. This is where I will you know, start putting news and updates. Uh, I've kind of been doing this for a while, but I, I'm going to make it kind of the official spot for anything related to the show, to the community I'm building, to uh, you know, whatever. Um, of course, I'm going to ask you if you want to support the show. Uh, please do so. I've got a Patreon campaign, which you can get to from wordslingerpodcast.com. There's a Patreon logo there. Your financial donations each month help me uh, in ways I can barely describe. I actually uh, I'm retooling everything about Wordslinger right now. I am uh, rebuilding the show from the ground up. Uh, yeah, that's not an accurate thing to say, actually. I'm not rebuilding the show. I love the show and its format, so I'm probably going to keep it essentially the way it is you know how this goes it evolves over time um but i am retooling the website i'm going to i'm building it a dedicated website for wordslinger broadcast something that should have been done years ago uh, approximately four years ago <laughs> and uh, uh and would have been uh, i guess but you know lazy uh, i don't know i've got lots of excuses and i'm good uh but I am going to be doing that, so there's some cost and overhead there, which you can help out with if you if you feel uh, driven to do so. Um, Patreon's one way to do that. Another way, my preferred way, honestly, you know, a lot of the time, is uh, buy my books. <laughs> if you go to kevintomlinson.com slash books, you can find everything I've written and published. Um, I just did a uh, BookBub promotion for Atlantis Riddle. And uh, things just blew up, man. That, that, I hit number one on Ken, the Kindle store. Uh, it, it, it was amazing. <laughs> For like five days, uh, I ruled Kindle. Um, so <clears throat> if you uh, want to support me there, I do appreciate that. Uh, you can also uh, review this show on iTunes and anywhere else you find it, honestly. Um, if you go to iTunes, just search for Wordslinger Podcast. And... Uh, Sorry, you may have noticed a slight pause there. I actually had to pause the recording and clear my throat. Uh, if you search for Wordslinger Podcast, leave me a review. You know, four or five stars would be fantastic. Uh, write something there so that you can uh, tell people, you know, what it is you love about the show. If you love something about the show, I hope you do. Uh, but uh, let people know what you're getting out of it. The idea here is to give you something useful to let you see sort of an inside, behind-the-scenes peek at uh the uh, lives and careers of some really amazing people like Mary. Um, and so that you can be inspired by that, uh, learn something from it, take it with you on your on your daily journey uh, as you build your own career. So I, I hope you're getting things like that out of the show. That's the point. So if you're not, let me know. <laughs> if, you feel, if you feel like you're not getting something of value, let me know. But I could, I, I could barely b- believe that. There's no way I can believe that. That there's not something of value coming to you every week from the Wordslinger podcast. Um, But anyway, whatever. Uh, Things go the way they go. So um, that's how you can support the Wordslinger podcast and your friendly neighborhood Wordslinger. Uh, Now, the news and updates. uh, We've got, so like I said, we're building the new website. Uh, it's taking some time because I'm, I actually, because of the podcast, I'm, I'm migrating the podcast and I have to do it manually, which I, which stinks. And I agree to all those who are nodding and saying, yep, (laughs) you didn't go with WordPress or whatever, you know? Uh, and I, I still stand by, uh, 
uh, Squarespace as my host, man. They're great. Their customer service is great, but you do have limitations, you know? Um, so I'm moving every episode over one by one, and that's necessitated a little bit of uh, graphic design. I have 100 and now 128 uh interview cards that I'm rebuilding because um, I did not follow that format throughout the entire run of Wordslinger podcast the uh, the quote and image of the guest and that sort of thing so uh, I want to make sure I, I get everything consistent uh, so that's slowing me down a little but beyond that I mean the site's progressed pretty well so yeah, I, I'm not ready to show it to anyone yet I think uh, I'll do an official launch soon uh, I should be finishing up soon uh, at least getting it to what we'll what we'll call the uh, minimal viable product stage. <laughs> so, but I'm going to be adding uh, all all sorts of resources for you guys. Uh, things that I I think are going to be helpful. I'm my focus is I'm going to try to find as many things as possible that are you know free and useful. Uh, but I'm also going to be offering some like I'm going to have affiliate relationships with you know different different people who offer courses and and other materials. But here's this. Here's the promise that I'm going to make. Everything that I put on wordslingerpodcast.com is going to be tuned toward a certain um, mission, we'll say, certain philosophy. Uh, in in large part, it's going to be um, the sorts of things that I would use myself if I'm not already using them. Uh, that it's wordslinger approved okay so what i'm trying to do I'm, i want to build a sort of and i may even create like a graphic or something around this but i want to build resources that you can depend on that you you understand you know that when it says it's wordslinger approved or whatever i go with uh that i've either used it myself or i've, I've dealt with it enough you know i've talked to enough people interviewed enough people trust the person who created it there's some reason why that's a good choice for you um, so I want you to ha be able to have that you can depend on, <laughs> you know, I want you to be able to think of, of word slinger as a good source, uh, for things that are useful to you. And I'll remove things from time to time if I feel like they are no longer providing the same value. So anyway, that's my commitment to you. So I hope you, uh, I hope you get something out of that as well. Um, other news, I mean, conference season is starting i'm going to try to record some episodes in advance uh to cover the gap but just be aware i mean i'm going to be traveling quite a bit uh i'm in orlando for nearly nearly a month um a little over a month really and uh you know i've got some other things coming my wife and i will be taking a vacation soon we haven't decided where yet we were initially going to go to boston now and then it was the grand canyon then it was road trip and then it was <laughs> i think currently we're thinking about uh getting on a train and heading to the northeast it all really depends um that's the great thing about being sort of f mobile <laughs> you're free to move about the world uh, in any way you please so looking forward to uh having some time off though for me time off is never time off like if i'm not writing uh, <laughs> during that vacation i'll be shocked I'll just be shy and, and probably tense. <laughs> I just can't do it. Um, not sure about podcasting though. I, I think, I don't know. It's hard for me to walk away from that too. So I'll, I'm going to try to make sure you guys have episodes <laughs> to cover the gap. Uh, anyway, so that's it. Uh, not a, not a ton to announce this week, but I do want you to start thinking of this, this time after the, uh, interview as where I'll start putting, um, uh, official announcements, um, uh, you know, my I'll announce my schedule for appearances. Uh, anything I'm working on that might benefit you. Um, we got some stuff going on with. Uh, oh, uh, this is a good time to mention. You know, so, Draft to Digital, we just released our EPUB templates. Um, to, to this uh, syncs up with our. We have our print templates that we were already offering templates. We didn't have a temp. We had a template, uh, but now you actually have these. You know, sort of artisan style pro templates uh you can pick and they they're they look great i mean everything's functions just like it always did it's very easy i did a whole walkthrough tutorial of this which i'll put in the show notes um it's 42 minutes long <laughs> i'll warn you because it's a very comprehensive walkthrough of you know uploading your manuscript converting it uh doing all that stuff and all of that is free so if you're not you, and you don't have to distribute through draft to digital to use this. You can go there, convert your manuscript to EPUB and Mobi files, go direct to uh, 
to Amazon, to uh, Kobo, to anyone you want. If that's what you want to do, uh, of course, we you know prefer that you stick with us. And uh, you know we understand if you don't, but stick around. You might <laughs> you might get some benefit out of it. Uh, but uh, all that's free for you to use. So hope you'll check that out. I will put a link to the YouTube video in the uh, show notes if you follow draft to digital it's, it's we've only got two videos up right now on the draft to digital channel <laughs> and they're both they're both walkthroughs of the service one's just older than the other so you can kind of go back in time if you want but uh that's changing i'm going to change that too so anyway thanks so much uh we're going to go ahead and roll out of here. Be sure to follow me and the Wordslinger podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at, at WordslingerPod uh, and also at Kevin Thompson. Make sure you pop in there and say hello. You can find us on Facebook. I almost said Facebook, but you can find us on Facebook uh, where you just search for Wordslinger. Just for, search for Wordslinger Podcast and you'll find me. Uh, and search for me, Kevin Tumbleton. I'm happy to connect. I hope you will do that. And uh, please share the show with as many people as you can think of. Review it. Share it. Uh, help us spread it around. The goal here is to uh, create something useful for the lives of everyone, uh, particularly indie authors, uh, but entrepreneurs of all stripes, really. So get out there and spread the word for me if you don't mind. And I greatly appreciate it. So, other than that, I think we're wrapped up. Take care of yourselves out there. God bless. And I'll see you next time. Wordslinger.